Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And now I have no idea where this man is. I think he's hiding out in a cave that used to be inhabited by Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid someplace in St. George, Utah. Here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How did you know I was in a cave? Uh, just quick thinking, I guess. Okay. Well, I'm not in a cave, but I am in St. George. Yep. What are we going to talk about today, my dear friend? Uh, we're going to talk about a little uh, outlaw activity, little shoot 'em up action. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Go for it. All right. So we're going to Oklahoma Territory about 1895. There's a guy by the name of George Miller. Uh, George was kind of a well-liked uh, farmer uh, in this Oklahoma Territory. He'd raised a good crop of corn, and since there were a lot of ranchers around about, uh, a lot of cattle, so Miller put up a nice barbed wire fence around his crop. So that kind of may give you a hint of what we're headed for. George and his partner, a, a man by the name of Glover, they lived in a dugout, which, of course, is just kind of a, a place dug out of the side of the hill, which a lot of people did. Well, one morning, Miller came out of his dugout and grazed over to look over at his cattle, or, or, or at his crop, and he saw a bunch of cattle tromping around in his cornfield. Well, George hightailed it out there and drove the cows out, found that the fence was down in a few places, so uh, he wondered about this because he had a real nice fence put up. Uh, so he wondered about that, uh, but he didn't care for the cows eating his corn. Well, the next day, a second time, after he'd repaired his fence, he noticed the rancher who owned the cattle, uh, who hap- uh, had happened to be there, uh, but they were in, the, in his corn again. And sure enough, the third morning, here they are again. Well, by this time, George Miller was getting pretty upset that this rancher uh, just let his cows uh, go into his cornfield, which, you know, that's probably pretty good feed, a lot better than sagebrush. So, anyway, he was a little hot under the collar, and he noticed that the fence wasn't just down, it had been cut. So he knew what was going on. So George, he jumps on his horse, and he heads straight over to the rancher's place, and told him the next time cattle found their way into his cornfield, they would be shot. Well, like so many ranchers of the day, this rancher didn't care for what they called, quote, nesters, who strung up fences all over the place, sometimes fencing off a needed water hole, and he didn't like Miller's threat to slaughter his cattle. So there were some hot words tossed around between the two, and finally George Miller swung into a saddle and galloped back to his dugout. Well, you can guess what happened. Next morning, sure enough, first thing George saw was a bunch of cows eating their way through his corn. So George, he got pretty hot, pretty upset. Ran back to his dugout, got his trusty Winchester, and proceeded to knock down a couple of cows. Now, the rancher must have heard the shots, because in no time, he and a cowboy came tearing up on horseback. Now, both of them were armed, and an argument flared up. Miller, who was a crack shot with a rifle held his Winchester cradled in his arm, sort of pointing the barrel in the general direction of the rancher. Well, when the cattleman made a move toward a six-shooter, Miller drilled him dead on the spot. Just shot him. Well, the cowboy that was with him, he took off, and Miller let him go. But uh, George knew he was in for trouble. And now Glover, his partner, 
uh, hadn't seen what happened, so he didn't have any any witnesses, so to speak. And the cowboy that was there probably wouldn't tell things right, so George decided he had to clear out for a while, and Glover, his partner, promised to take care of the farm and the livestock uh, while his partner was on the run. Now, figuring a posse soon would be on his tail, Miller headed for rough country. Now, riding down a wooded canyon, he spotted a horseman who was armed, and Miller thought at first he might be a, a lawman. Well, at any rate, he figured his best chance was to lay low, and as the stranger moved his way, Miller hid in a thick uh, growth of bushes. He dismounted and was standing with one hand, holding his horse's nose so the horse wouldn't make any noise. Uh, in his other hand, he held his rifle with the hammer cocked and pointing at this stranger. Now, George Miller was doing some mighty fast thinking about then. He figured, well, if this guy is a lawman, he planned on letting him go. Now, if he was an outlaw, uh, his know-how might be of some help in helping him dodge the law. Well, as the rider drew closer, George studied him over the sights of his Winchester. The guy kind of looked a little rough, and he says rough as a corn cob and not like any lawman he'd ever met. And George decided to take a long chance. Well, when the rider was about 50 yards past George's hiding place, George gave a sharp whistle, let go his horse's nose. The rider whirled in the saddle and leveled his own rifle at a spot near where George was hiding. Well, George yells out and says, Don't shoot, I'm dodging the law, George yelled. And the rider must have been in doubt as to exactly where the whistle had originated, but the shout made him dead certain of the location because uh, his gun barrel shifted squarely at the place where George was hiding. Well, the stranger yelled out and says, Come on out and don't try anything. But George Miller walked out, leading his horse, keeping his rifle pointed to the ground. And the guy says, Now you walk right over here and keep that gun pointing just like it is. Well, Miller walked out, and every step of the way, the fellow's rifle was trained on him. And when he reached the man, Miller told him about shooting the rancher. And all the time he was talking, the stranger kept his rifle pointed at Miller's chest and just kind of studied him over, kind of looking... Looking, looking them over. So here we got a guy sitting in this, on his horse, pointing his rifle at Miller's chest, kind of wary of him and not knowing what to expect. And uh, like I say, Miller told him the story, and when he finished, the other fellow seemed about, about half convinced that it was true. So he told George to put his rifle in his scabbard and be right careful while he was doing it. So George carried no pistol and did as he was told. And only then did the stranger seem to relax a little bit. But even as they rode along together, the fella kept his rifle resting across his saddle, his finger on the trigger of the uh, cocked weapon, and George was just a little nervous because you know how sometimes a horse might jar just a little bit and uh, uh, could accidentally uh, pull the trigger. But anyway, he didn't say anything. They kept going. And he saw, too, that the fellow's left hand also was over the butt of a nice uh, six-shooter. And uh, anyway, they were uh, they were just kind of riding along like that, uh, this guy not taking any chances. Finally, George Miller could no longer stand the strain of the cocked rifle, and he said, hey, don't you trust me any? And the guy says, I don't have a six-shooter, and you made, well, George said, I don't have a six-shooter, and you made me scabbard my rifle, and you've still got that cocked rifle pointing at me. Well, the man replied, he says, I don't trust anybody, and that's a quick way to get yourself killed. Well, every time they reached a place where they had to ride single file, uh, Miller's companion was real courteous. Always let, reined up and let George go ahead. And each time this happened, George wondered if he'd get shot in the back and 
left for the coyotes and kind of gave him a creepy feeling. You know, I, I would imagine you'd feel a little nervous if you're, somebody's behind you with a rifle on your back. But anyway, after several miles, the fellow must have felt certain George had told the truth because he uncocked the Winchester and began to talk a little. But he kept one hand always at the pistol that he had on him. Uh, anyway, something he said gave Miller the first clue who the man might be, and that sure put George to thinking. Uh, for the outlaw George had in mind had a reputation of being as bloodthirsty as any in the whole southwest. Well, it was October, so it was a little chilly, but uh, when they made camp that night, they didn't have a fire, and after eating some groceries, the outlaw told George to bed down. Then the man took both horses, led them off to one side where he tied them up, and then he disappeared with his bedroll. Well, each night he did the same thing, and George wasn't about to go check and see where he was, where he was sleeping or not sleeping. Well, after the first night, George slept without too much trouble because he figured, well, if this bandit planned on killing him, he would have done it by now. So anyway, gradually the stranger warmed up a little, and one day he told George, he said, my name is Red Buck. Maybe you heard of me, and proceeded to describe some of the killings he'd done. Well, this sure didn't ease George Miller's feelings any. Uh, he had known at the time they'd met that this was Red Buck, the renegade, he wouldn't let him ride right on out of his life and wouldn't take taking any chances. But, you know, what was done was done, and George knew he'd have to make the best of it. Well, after a few days, their supplies were getting a little low, and uh, Red Buck wanted to rob a store. Now, George objected. He really wasn't an outlaw, but the outlaw was pretty uh, sure about this whole thing, and he suggested they go back to his farm at night and send Glover. Now, Glover, you recall, is George's partner. Mm-hmm. They wanted Glover to go into town and get some supplies. Okay, so finally Red Buck agreed. Miller had never known what uh, caution was till he watched the outlaw as they drew near the dugout. He acted like a hunted animal, almost like he was uh, set in danger with his nose. And he kind of lagged behind with his pistols cocked, and George tapped on the door. Glover opened it a little bit, and George told him it was all right that he had a friend with him. Uh, so he never did say who the friend was. Now, Glover said something about uh, lighting a lantern, but uh, Red Buck uh, changed his mind on that. So George asked Glover to go after supplies and to keep quiet about the whole thing. Well, his partner consented, saddled up his horse, and rode away. And old Red Buck, he says, you know what? I don't like your partner. He's going to double-cross us. But George allowed he didn't think Glover would do that. Well, it was a bright night under a full moon. Red Buck was sitting on a box uh, just inside the door, uh, when he'd been uh, watching, uh, and he talked a little bit, but not much. Anyway, Glover had been gone about three hours, and the moon had kind of reached the top, and Red Buck whispered, he said, somebody's coming, and there's more than one. Well, pretty soon he heard hoofbeats, and riders began to take shape in the distance. There was a light tap on the door. Red Buck opened it just enough to let the man in, then closed it. And Glover said, George, if you'll light the lantern, I'll show you. Well, that was all he said, because at that instant, a forty-five exploded, and Red, Red Buck had shot Glover. Shot him dead, right there. Cold-blooded. Well, George Miller and the Desperado made a run for the horses and took off across the moonlit prairie, bullets flying all around them. But even with the whole posse throwing lead at them, uh, not even a horse was hit. So, but, you know, when you're going full speed, I don't think your aim is going to be all that great. But anyway, Miller and Red Buck were lying flat over their saddles, leaning over, and they were so busy whipping their mouths that they never tried to shoot back. Well, finally they eluded the posse and rolled all night. Next day they holed up in some uh, uh, brush 
their ammunition was low and they had to get some food. So Red Buck said he was going to rob a store. There was nothing George could do about it. But come along and or get shot right then. So Miller figured, okay, I better go along. Well, they uh, rode over to a little town, walked into the store run by a man and his wife. Now, when Red Buck pulled his guns on them and told them what he was after, the man got mad and gave the outlaw a good cussing. Well, Red Buck then flew off the handle and shouted, Why, you old fool, he says, I'm going to kill you. And he would have done too, but uh, George Miller and the man's wife talked him out of it. And this Red Buck was a bad guy. He was just going to kill this guy. Anyway, so Red Buck held his pistols on the couple while George dumped some groceries and ammunition into a couple of sacks, and uh, then they, they rode away. And Anyway, the, the pair dodged the, the law for several days, uh, sometimes being just ahead of them. But at last, the posse caught up with them where they had pulled up in a dugout. Uh, uh, anyway, they were kind of behind some trees and some rocks, and the battle began. Now, bobbing their heads up and down like gophers in a hole, George and Red Buck, they would take stray shots at the lawmen, but the posse men stayed low and kept pouring lead into the dugout, and this went on for quite a while. Then a bullet found Red Buck, and he was done for. This was October 2nd, 1895. Hmm. Well, George kept up the fight until a bullet took three fingers off his left hand, leaving only the index finger and thumb. So, you know, he was bleeding pretty bad, and he kind of got sick, he says. Uh, and he shouted, shouted to the posse that he was wounded and Red Buck was dead. But they kept right on firing. Well, Miller could do nothing but shoot back. Finally, he got so weak, he had to quit firing. And the lawmen waited a spell and then came on in. They captured Miller, who was almost dead. Uh, they took him to a town and the doctor patched him up. Well, after Miller got some of the strength back, the lawmen took him and the dead outlaw back to the store they had robbed. And the storekeeper uh, identified him. And the man and his wife identified Red Buck, but refused to implicate Miller because they figured he had a lot to do with their still being alive, which he did. He talked Red Buck out of shooting them. Anyway, Miller was brought to trial for killing the rancher. Now, a lot of the neighboring farmers and even some of the ranchers thought the killing had been justified, and Miller was released. He went back to farming, and after a while... Uh, the memory of this short outlaw career died down, and he became a respected citizen again. So that's the story of Red Buck and George Winchester, who lost three fingers in a battle. And I've actually got a picture of uh, of Red Buck uh, in his uh, death pose. You know, they used to do that, Zeb. They'd, mm -hmm. uh, whenever they killed somebody, they'd put him in the, in the casket and lean him up against the a building and take pictures of him. Yeah. And uh, this guy, he kind of looks like a rough character. He's got a big old bushy black mustache and black hair. And Anyway, so that's the story of Red Buck and George Miller. You know, now i got to ask you this, and it's not meant to um, take apart any of the story, but who wrote the story and upon what basis of fact? Okay. I like this story because there was a guy by the name of Sanford Foran, who was an early settler in Indian Territory, and he drove freight wagons through this area, Cheyenne, Arapahoe country, uh, in the Texas Panhandle. I see. Well, uh, he died in 1963, and he had seen a lot of the characters across this uh, Oklahoma area. And he had, in his own opinion, about Red Buck's last days, uh, uh, that he, he knew about these guys. And uh, uh, anyway, so it's kind of coming... Uh, hand-me-down, so to speak, 
but uh, it kind of is first person, is, is sort of, because of the people that knew Red Buck and knew uh, George Miller. Mm-mm-mm. Now, you know, there's so many... In, uh, this is from, uh, actually from a magazine, Frontier Times, yeah. from July of 1970. Okay. So this, uh, the story is, in, uh, you know, comes from an old magazine, but uh, uh, like I say, it, uh, I, I think it's pretty reliable. You know, when you talk about this story, and there's so many other stories like that in the Old West as to bad guys, uh, people that went wrong, even though they were kind of pushed into it. Here's a case of a farmer, and I've only got two minutes left, a farmer that was only trying to protect his property, and quite frankly, the whole world got tipped upside down and ruined his life for uh, quite a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, luckily he was able to come back and... Uh, was acquitted of shooting the rancher, and like I said, this rancher must not have been very well liked because even some of the other ranchers were uh, said, "Yeah, he deserved to be shot." Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, now you're down in St. George, Utah. Do you think maybe you can uh, put it upon yourself to come home? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll see which way the wind's blowing. Not next Monday, but I th- I think it might be blowing back up to Idaho. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful trip. Uh, you've seen a lot and done a lot on this vacation. Yeah, we have. Uh, and maybe next week I'll talk about some of the some of the places I've been in the last couple of weeks. Uh, part of which is the Oregon uh, Trail, and I I've got a couple of stories about that that uh, that I, uh, I'd like to tell next week. What about that area, real quick, down there at St. George? Uh, as a matter of fact, with all the the uh, beautiful location, the beautiful scenery, and uh, the state and national parks, etc., there must be a lot of Western stories about people going over that area in the old days, and it must have been really hard traveling because of being such an arid location. Right, and there were a lot of uh, wagon trains that came through this area that were headed to California rather than to Northern California. Uh, so, yeah, this whole area was, uh, there was a lot of travel through here. Okay. We're actually going to go over into Zion's Park today and uh, look at that. So people have never been there. That's a, a pretty amazing area. Absolutely. Dr. History, thank you. Job well done. And uh, have a safe trip home, my friend.